For as long as I've known the NBA, it's been a stars league. But even among the stars, there's an exclusive club. Russell, Dr. J, Jordan, Kobe. They're all part of a select group that paved the way for the NBA superstar of today. And some even shared secrets with each other along the way. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Jackie McMullen, and this is the Icons Club. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older. 18 and older in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. My name is Chris Ryan. I am joined by Sirit Sohi. It's the answer, Sirit. What is going on? How are you? Chris, I'm just hyped. I'm just hyped about the Warriors. How are you? I'm I'm zen about it. I'm pretty hyped. I mean, I think that when I got to the end of last night's game, obviously the Warriors winning the NBA championship. And before we get to that, you know, let's just let's just say congratulations to a few people. Uh congratulations to Joe Lacob and Peter Gruber uh for winning it in Boston. That's heartwarming. Congratulations to all guys from Boston in general today. Uh, congrats to Draymond for the marketing. Congrats to Clay for surviving. Congrats to Steph for winning the most important trophy in sports. And that is the finals MVP, my friends. Don't ever forget that. And uh, congrats to everybody who took Steph for granted and now can't do that anymore. You know, I'm sure there were five or six of you out there. You certainly got tweeted about a lot. So here we are. The Warriors win the chip. Boston goes down in Boston. And we want to talk today about like how the Warriors got here, right? And and where they ended up. So we wanted to go through a few moments from the postseason where I guess they were like not one shining moment, but one one defining moment, but we're doing more than one moment. So multiple defining moments is what we're talking about today. Well, yeah, I think I think the championship for the Warriors was a culmination. Like this whole this whole season was like a process of just becoming a new version of themselves. But the playoffs, especially, right? Like, I just look back to March and the way that we're talking about this team. You got Clay, who's back, but he's not really back. Um, you know, people are talking about is he washed? He is a step slow defensively. His uh, he's forcing the issue on offense, or it looks like it because it's like the same shots that Clay always takes, but they're just not going in this time. 
Um, and he's just like a little bit out of rhythm naturally after not playing basketball for two years yeah you know you've got like these different games like i like was going back through the game logs because i remember it was such a chaotic time for them you've got times when you know the the warriors original kind of core of of clay curry and draymond is all injured or resting at the same time you've got these lineups where jordan Poole is basically just like leading the pack and like you in in like you know kuminga stepping into his role and into into like the draymond role and stuff right like there were a lot of moments this season where I was like, oh man, maybe the wheels fell off for this team. Like maybe this isn't their year, maybe they're too old. But, you know, I think pretty much like as soon as the playoffs started, first of all, you get like you get Curry back and then slowly there were these moments where it felt like, oh, okay, they figured this part out. They figured this part out. They figured this part out. And they came into Boston basically being like, okay, they're they're the, they're back. They're the Warriors. They're different. They're you know they're they're a little bit younger. Uh, we've got some new faces, but basically, like the the je ne sais quoi of this team is pretty much the same. The team that won the finals felt like the right ending point for this roster and for this team. Mm-hmm. You know, like it felt like this was weirdly the middle ground between where I think a lot of Warriors fans may have wanted the team to be, which is maximizing Steph's window and supporting him as much as you can with like grade A USDA basketball talent, whether that means mortgaging the future or going deep in the luxury tax or whatever. But like, you know, people are out there being like trade Wiseman, Kaminga and Moody or whoever it takes and get Beal or get whoever, you know, whoever you could have gotten that was like star, star whoever. And Joe Lacob did say after the game, he was like, who is that? Who are we going to get? And, I, you know, obviously, like, there are certain guys that just wouldn't work on the Warriors. Like, I don't think Harden would have worked on the Warriors. I'm sure he, like, could have played for them. But I don't think that, like, that that's not, like, the recipe for a championship. So I think he had a point there. But the idea, like, of this light years bridge to the future thing was always that you've got this one generation of guys who are aging together. And then beneath them, much in the beginning of their careers, is another generation coming up who are going to kind of continue this championship tradition in Golden State and the funny thing that happened was it was the middle generation that won them this championship in some ways obviously Steph won the championship I'm not taking away from that do you think Steph deserved finals MVP oh we're gonna get into that (laughs) I got some takes on that no yes he did uh but the Wiggins pool Peyton Troika in this series especially I think that's like the reason they won this outside of Steph being Steph yeah it was so Steph talked about it, like building on parallel timelines and uh, you've got this youth movement going at the same time as you've got, you know, all these old guys on the team. And historically, that hasn't worked for franchises for a number of different reasons. You know, you've got coaches that are focused on doing different things, right? You've got players who don't necessarily want to be given away all the tricks of the trade. That essentially means that the young guys are going to come in and take their minutes, right? Like there's a lot of reasons why these things haven't really worked in the past you've also just got I think there's attitude stuff too where young teams you got to be able to weather some mistakes and older teams you want to be able to you want to you, you want to be cutting down on those mistakes right um and I think the Warriors for a number of reasons were just a team that was really well situated to be able to develop these guys and also like progress the way that they needed to as a team to win a championship and it's really unique and I think like the thing that I kind of think about most is just the players. Like, the fact that they were willing to be mentors to guys like Poole, Wiggins, Peyton, Kaminga, like, 
Moody, even though like those younger guys didn't necessarily play as much in the playoffs, there's a number of things behind the scenes that happened too. Like they really shored up their developmental staff. They hired Kenny Atkinson, who's obviously been great with yeah. young players. Yeah. Uh, they hired Jama Malala, who was amazing with with Raptors, and you know was with Raptors 905. And he's the guy who was doing thumbs down on on challenges, right? He was. He was. Uh, on that. <laughs> what, what game was that? I think it was like game game. Three I, or he four. did it a couple of times, and when I was I was like looking at it yesterday, he had one, but like it was a Draymond demanding a review and like immediately all the guys behind the bench were like don't challenge that that was the Al Horford thing yeah. right like I yeah. think I don't know it looked like everyone just kind of slipped there so it's probably the right call but yeah that's that's him so I recently I recently did a profile on on Gary Payton the second sure did. great piece thank you and I like that you said that these guys are more in the middle as opposed to some of the other like really really young guys, right? I I, I know age wise that doesn't necessarily like land, but I do think that in terms of Kaminga especially and Wiseman especially are upper tier first round bet draft picks, and so yeah. it makes me feel like those guys are are like obviously blue chip prospects. Jordan yeah. Poole going at the end of the first round, Gary Payton being undrafted, and Andrew Wiggins being available for anybody who wanted to try and trade for him from Minnesota a couple of years ago is like mm-hmm. like kind of this, we find diamonds in the rough, even if we have to pay for them, policy. that I think Golden State, I think it was like the secret ingredient. Yeah. No, I think you're on the, on the, on the right track there because Payton is 29 and Wiggins is 27. Like these guys are not that young, right? Like Yeah. And Poole's a kid, he just, but he wasn't expected to be the like the guy who was the next backcourt star for this team as they evolved into whatever they think they're going to evolve into with the young kids. No, but he's also like, he's also 22 and he's had three years in the NBA and he's like been to the G league and had like, you know, he had the playing experience last year. He has had the experience of this entire playoffs. He is not necessarily like some of like the completely spring chicken players that they have that we'll probably see in the future. Right. Like, and I think that's kind of like, what was interesting is that like, you know, go, so doing that profile, Peyton, was more on the mentorship side than he was being mentored. Uh, mm. And he would sit in on the on some developmental stuff. And, and so would Draymond. And I know Draymond is also like helped with the draft. And developmental stuff like watch it like like training sessions for the younger kids. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like so the Warriors would have these film sessions that were basically just dedicated to the younger players. Right. Like there's no reason to have at a certain point. I imagine Steph's just want to get going to want to gouge his eyes out like trying to figure out how to. Right just like sit while these guys learn like player personnel for the entire league right and i think that's essentially what it was kind of like crash course stuff on things that you just need to know when you get to the nba so peyton obviously had to be a part of that right uh but he's also older guy and he's like he spent like six years in the g league and he was more on the side of like okay here's how you defend this guy and and draymond would be part of like those those meetings as well too and like that's one thing that struck out to me was just the fact that they have these meetings that like they, they kind of streamline two sort of different developmental tracks uh was interesting and also just the fact that all those guys were there so bob myers is you know talked to draymond before and i think it's something that they've talked to the entire team about before is essentially that your job as a basketball player especially as you age is to pass the game on to the next generation. This is this is the entire thesis of Jackie's podcast of, of Icons Club. Exactly, exactly. And there are certain players who have, and there like there's certain players who haven't. But I haven't seen a team really embrace it as much as these Warriors have, um, and especially as much as Draymond and Iguodala have. And it's just kind of interesting to see now, where especially watching Draymond kind of get get shit on for like the entire playoffs, right? And especially in the finals. I wonder if it makes it easier to 
to drop off. Obviously, he's not as consistent as a player as he was when you know that you were part of like the next generation's journey to get here. I wonder if it's invigorating. You're right. You know, I mean, like you see some teams that are top heavy and then choose to populate the rest of the roster with. I, I'm saying PJ Tucker because I'm like PJ Tucker is a guy who would be maybe available, not super expensive, a veteran looking for a champ. You know, he got a championship with Milwaukee, but might be out there and available. Like you're, you're, you're like minimum vets who are ready and willing and able to come in and fill a role on an NBA team. But if you play with those guys, I would imagine everybody's got their own priorities. They're like, hey, I, I know how to take care of my body. I know what basketball, how basketball works, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. When you have this wave of kids coming through, you're almost like relearning basketball by teaching it. You know, and it's funny. It's like to think about the the journey that those guys must have gone through, and also Clay. You know, Clay having to basically reteach his body how to play basketball. Wiggins having to learn how to play a different style of basketball. Basketball to go from being the A option, the number one draft pick, the star at Kansas, like the face of Canadian basketball. Like he's always been the, the like Maple Jordan. Maple Jordan. He's always been the guy on the Wheaties box. Even though, like, you know, I don't know if they have Wheaties in Canada. You have to tell me, but. He's been reshaped into a role player. You know what I mean? Like he's been reshaped into people calling him the Scottie Pippen of this team. And it's kind of like an amazing... I wonder whether that kind of transformation is almost like invigorating for the guys like Draymond and Steph who are at the sort of like finished product point of their game. Yeah, I think definitely. Wiggins, first of all, just the fact that he was on the stage talking to Lisa Salters with a championship trophy in his hand yeah. was just like the most jarring, cool thing that I've like that probably out of the night. There's a couple of things that are going to stick out to me. Just the sheer fact of him being there, there was so crazy. Like I just, you just didn't think it was going to happen for him. Like I, I had pretty much made up my mind about Wiggins like years ago, obviously like as a Canadian, I've been following him very closely and expectations were very high. And now he's like really coming into his own. And I almost wonder if he's going to, actually morph into more of a star player next year you think so yeah i could see it happening he's always had the talent and like obviously like i think he's figured out that like the defensive part of the game is like his strong suit but it always felt like he needed to be good because of other people and now Mm. it feels like he's kind of taking that back so i'm really curious to see what happens with wiggins but you had a game four as one of like your moments for the series the game four was when i was like is Wiggins Pippen to Steph's Jordan, you know, and that, that that's going to be remembered. That game is going to be remembered for the Steph title wave of scoring and the get your top tens out, get your finals MVP ballot out. Like this is not a conversation anymore. But the subtle thing there was that like, I think he had something like 17 and 16 that night, right? Like that was like the really solid. And I mean, when I mean solid, I mean like you can build a house on that game. Is like if your if your wing is giving you that while Steph is doing that, and there wasn't a lot of help from elsewhere on the team. I mean, there was a lot of like five, six, eight point games from other people, but it was like Steph and Wiggins dragged that team back, you know, not into the series, but like put their stake in the ground. So that was one that really like just really made my eyes pop. Where I was like, damn, this dude is like understands the moment in a huge way yeah i think he kind of figured out that if they were going to have any interior presence it was going to have to be him consistently just attacking robert williams the third which is just you know not for the faint of heart by any means like not for people who don't want to get blocked because you will um and he definitely had a few 
few awkward moments in the series, but he was just really re- relentless in a way that I haven't really seen before. And there are a number of moments that I think you can kind of look back at in the playoffs that were defining for him. I think that game five, obviously that dunk against Dallas uh, was yeah. incredible. Uh, but he just kind of, he kept leveling up. He kept leveling up. And that that's, I think, essentially what I wanted to talk about today and, and what has been the most inspiring part about this Warriors run to me has been all these little moments where you kind of have to figure out, is this team going to have the medal, right? Like, it was so different than your average experience of watching an experienced team win the NBA Finals, like a team that's been there before because of guys like Wigan, Wiggins, right? And there came a point, I think, in the postseason, maybe like maybe way earlier for, for the Warriors, but it became very clear of, like, they actually need him. Like, they really need him to be everything that he can possibly be, be things that he has not been in the past – in this moment for them to win. And I think it's just a hard, like it's one of the hardest things to do is actually to step up to that moment, do something like, and be something that you haven't ever actually been asked to be. Yeah. I mean, and then like he follows it up with the game five performance, you know, that was the 26 point night with 13 boards. That's closer to like what he got drafted for, (laughs) you know, right. That was closer to number one pick shit and game five of the NBA finals to come out and do that. And that's the night where it was like, oof, maybe Steph is like, got enough to go with his foot like who like I maybe he can get one and then he has to take a night and then he gets one like it was a real like dicey situation and, and that was really mm-hmm. to take that from Boston that was like the night I thought Boston had to like that was the one they needed to win if they had any chance of winning the title that's what I'm saying like you see some of those things you see some of these like reverse finishes you see like more consistency with a jumper you see him attacking and you're like okay maybe there's more here At Walt Disney World Resort, magic is found in spontaneity. The unplanned, the unexpected, an inside joke born in the Haunted Mansion queue. A surprise stitch sighting in Tomorrowland. Watching fireworks from your room. These memories aren't made from predetermined plans, but manifested from simply being. Present and together in the most magical place. Find your moment at Walt Disney World Resort. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. What was a moment for you that you you kind of like going back th- all the way to the beginning of the playoff that you think where you were like, this is going to go in the, in the documentary about this Warriors season? Okay, we'll pivot away from the finals for a moment here. Yeah. Uh, we'll go, let's, let's go, let's go back. I think that Memphis series mattered a lot. And I think it had a lot of implications for this series. Like those, those teams are so similar. Uh, Memphis yeah. is similarly physical. Uh, they play two big men. They get on the glass. 
and they're just like they're just rela- they're just relentless you know like they're really hard to defend and they make your defense do different things you know i, th- I think the way that the that memphis kind of slowed down the warriors offense almost prepared them for this type of battle in the finals right but the thing that i want to talk about first is is curry's game one block on jaw that was an incredible moment and i think like looking back one of the biggest lessons of this playoffs is going to be like don't target Steph on defense anymore <laughs> it's not actually a good idea anymore especially in the playoffs especially in a moment where he's like he's incredibly determined to stop you I think first of all it pisses him off right then he gets like he gets he gets mad and then he wants to try a little bit harder not that you need like anything else to make you more competitive in the playoffs but you obviously you notice when you're being hunted for a mismatch and I think it's natural right. to take that thing a little bit personally he's always had pretty qu- quick hands um, quicker than I think most people give him credit for. Like, the swipe down is pretty solid, and he's always been up there in steals. But he's added a lot of strength, obviously. And just looking at looking at the numbers, Tatum was on him. Steph was the primary defender on Tatum twenty times this series, and Steph allowed zero point seven one four points per chance. Well, that's bad, by the way. Yeah, that's, that's really bad. 11 times on Brown, allowed 0.9. Also not good. Smart, allowed 0.83. And, like, it goes back to other series as well. Like, one of the ones that sticks out to me is Jalen Brunson, 0.92. And that's, like, that is an obvious attempt to to kind of take him out of the it's game and also make yeah. him tired. And, and, yeah. and, like, I get that aspect of it. Make him work, for sure. But maybe pass the ball out. Like, he had one, sw- like, uh, a swipe on Jason Tatum. Um, when he brought the ball down too low in, I think, the fourth quarter that I think was like almost like a dagger swipe. It was like, oh, man, these are over. Is this before or after uh, Jason Tatum had the shadow-torn leg room and, and wrist injury? <laughs> Is it- <laughs> I'm not laughing at Jason Tatum. I'm just laughing at like as soon as Boston started losing. like It was right. just like, well, Jason's playing hurt. Well, He's just not shoulder, talking about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here's a here's a here's maybe a side Steph by side ag- photo comparison yeah, maybe Steph of like how he, it. <laughs> yeah probably Steph actually yanked on it yanked, yanked his right. arm out of its socket yeah, he's dirty. just not talking about it uh, <laughs> but yeah that one that one stuck out to me because I think it I think it kind of set the tone for the rest of the playoffs the only player that really was able to like get onto Steph and do things to him that were heinous were was Luka Doncic who did that against everyone like yeah. at all times so that's fine you live with that but the rest like the rest of these guys it's like yo, know, you're kind of just getting out of your offense that wasn't a winning recipe for dallas i mean it right. was like it looked cool a few times but it wasn't actually like a key to winning a series no it just made him look like houston which like the warriors love yeah right the warriors are capable of beating houston before they've, they've shown that right i i think another thing from that memphis series that i wanted to talk about a little bit was the the 39 point loss which was a very cool moment in general just because of the whole whoop that trick thing and like it was an awesome moment for the Grizz and an awesome moment for that like that city and just like great television and there's a way in which you know those guys the Warriors players dancing to whoop that trick and like egging on the crowd could have gone wrong you know what I mean like it could have been like the first thing they show when the Warriors lose to the Grizzlies in the second round you know like (laughs) or the first thing that they show when it like you know and instead that to me winds up looking like experience and just also looking like knowing how to enjoy yourself throughout the process because it's probably grueling and you're playing every other day and you're tired and every night it's a new challenge and every night there's a new narrative or whatever but having fun getting your ass kicked 
it also showed like an incredible amount of confidence with their in their abilities to come back like from that Mm. and there are teams like I'll be honest like I don't think Philly could have handled that I honestly don't know if Brooklyn could have handled that you know what I mean I don't know I don't I don't know we haven't I've never really seen KD in that kind of like hilariously like hostile environment where he's also like I'm enjoying the fact that we had a terrible night and to me that was like that's where like championship DNA stuff that's so hard to actually like define actually kind of like rears its head where it's like these dudes know what it takes and are having like a pretty good time with this process. Yeah, there's there's very little that they haven't seen. Um, and I think that it was almost like the earliest version of Draymond saying like you're going to get this podcast like win or lose. We're going to keep the same energy. Yeah, Like that that gratitude part of it, I think, is probably a big part of why they won. Like the moment that I kind of figured figured out or thought like there's no way Boston's coming back from this was uh, mm-hmm. let's jump back to the finals. Clay's closing stretch in Game Four. He had two strips, like two old school Clay Thompson style strips. I think one of them was Al Horford in the post, and I can't remember what the other one was. And then with like three minutes left to go, Steph's been going crazy all game. Then he like he gets all this attention in transition, pitches it to to clay and clay only has like he has half a second to get off a shot before al horford closes on him and he sees that before he even catches the ball and he just immediately releases and i I just got i just got these okc game six vibes and more more importantly i just it was like oh he's back like this is what prime clay thompson looks like and then after the game He's talking about, you know, he's talked about it now a number of times, like through through the press conferences, but just how he couldn't even do a calf raise. And he was watching the NBA finals and he was like, I can't believe I'm not there. And pretty much every time he's answering a question, there's this suppressed smile on his face. You could just feel it in every moment how happy he was to just have the opportunity to be back there again. And I think that really powered them. Like, Clay yeah. having the opportunity obviously powered them. I think they were just really happy for him after not playing basketball for two years just to be able to be back on the stage again. But just to have the perspective of, we're going to say in the present moment right now because we have now experienced this enough times to know that, yes, winning in the future and all of it feels good, but nothing is actually cooler than the fact that we're in the middle of this struggle right now. Like That is the purpose of, of all of this is like the challenge that's ahead of us. And taking that perspective into like a 39 point loss or like a, you know, a 2-1 series deficit. Like, I wonder if like, we talked about this, I think, after game one, looking at their perspective and being like, well, is, is Draymond being a little bit blasé about all these threes that dropped for, for the Celtics in game one, right? And I think now we have the answer to that, like, right? <laughs> yeah, but he was like, we'll take the variance. We'll bet on yeah. variance with Derek White, Al Horford. Yeah, right. Exactly. And Marcus Yeah, Smart. exactly. Right. Obviously, I was watching a lot of Clay last night, too. Clearly, like, Steph was like the emotional fulcrum of this, and like watching him start to cry was just your like... Girl, your girl was crying also, just immediately. <laughs> immediately, as soon as he started tearing up, I was like, I'm here. Let's go. <laughs> but Clay talking about... He was like talking about the injury in Toronto. He was like, I kind of like chalked that, charged that to the game. It was like, we played a lot of games over the five years and it wasn't like that shocking that like my body gave out a little bit, but he was like the second one, you know, the Achilles is where I start to like question like whether it's going to ha- come, come back together for me and whether it's going to happen again. And he's, he's like talking about like running underwater and all the stuff he had to do to just get his body back to zero and uh that really hit pretty hard like there's not a lot of teams that i think that have gotten back to the top of the mountain 
considering where the Warriors were, you know, and like basically having to reconstruct that roster in a lot of ways, even though they have the same core. I can't say how I'm, I'm so impressed with them, you know, and it's like it's weird because like they're so effervescent at times, like and, and Steph is such like a a lovely superstar, like and a joy to watch. But he because he, he's not big, he's not like a physically dominating LeBron Kawhi type dude. It's just like kind of a miracle that he's won four rings. It's it's amazing. No, I think that is actually what's really cool about it is like what are they really trying to do? Like what was the goal of this season? Obviously it's winning a championship, but like when it comes to all the little process steps, it's about just trying to become who you were again. And there's something so earnest and wholesome about that and getting to watch them do it and then also seeing S- Steph cry. So <laughs> <laughs> there is now like it's it's interesting because well it reminds you obviously of Jordan crumpling to the floor and that's in the second 3P and obviously like there are like there's the fact that it's the first one that he won without his dad and then you have like LeBron crumpling to the floor after his third championship in Cleveland and I just wonder if like the older you get the harder the toll gets and like the bigger the catharsis is when you when you actually win because like this was a really long road back for for Steph for the entire team and I just like it it just made me think about the fact like is this sweeter is it sweeter than your first one it's like the first one you're it sounded like it it did it did it did sound like it Kerr said that I think that was probably like the most emotional I saw Steph win. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think it would have been pretty significant if they had finished 16 by winning. You know you know what I mean? Like if they hadn't lost to Cleveland and, and they had done that record setting regular season and won a championship and just been like, is this the greatest team of all time? Mm-hmm. You know, like that kind of thing. And it was really cool too, like just to kind of like go back to something you were saying in the beginning about the Draymond... Bob Myers' conversation about it, like kind of being Draymond's responsibility to like pass down the the secrets to the next generation is like seeing Dre go up to Tatum and Brown and a couple of the Celtics and immediately on the whistle, like not not going to celebrate and immediately going to those guys and obviously saying to them like this is what it's like you you got to like take this and then build off of it uh, was really cool. I thought it was like a really cool moment. Um, every once in a while when teams win championships, you see something like that where like Kerr too was pretty like understated when the whistle blew and he was obviously like really thoughtfully congratulating and talking to the Boston staff. But I thought it was really dope to see to see Draymond like hugging out with Tatum and Brown and being like, This is this is the process. Yeah. What a loving we're having today. Yeah. We're just like we're just basketball appreciators yeah. today. Were there any other moments you wanted to talk about? So one of the things that's been I've been thinking about for the last few days, but especially yesterday, was just is just like what an absolute joy it's been to watch this team for the last seven years, eight years, however long it's been. First of all, like I think every sports fan wants this, like to witness an actual dynasty, and I think that's what this team is like four four championships in eight years, and the way that they've done it. Uh, staying true to their style, moving the ball around, or like combining this like Curry's individualistic bravado, just exceptional shot making with the you know like the the ethos of like we're gonna pass the ball ar- around still and like we're still gonna try to like beyond the three pointers like all of that is still trying to get something towards the rim and like we're gonna stay true to 
you know, like we're, we're going to try to please the basketball gods. We're always going to try to please the basketball gods in every instance. Like we are going to try to be creative. We're going to try to find new ways to play the games. We're going to find like Iguodala in, in game six and, and like invent a death lineup. And we're going to, you know, then like push that further and find Gary Payton and, and turn like turn him into a 6-3 center for a championship team. You can also add we're also they also like weaponized the salary cap bump and got Kevin Durant. Like you can throw in yeah. their like mastery of uh, of the salary cap as well or their willingness to pay the luxury. Yeah. Well, and also just like not stopping. When Joe Lacob talks about it, there's something almost ugly about it. Like the winning never stops, but when you when you superimpose that onto the players instead, it's just like it's a really cool thing. Like they aren't really when you get this good, I can't it kind of reminds me of like, you know, like Jurgen Klopp in a way of like we are just winning for the now sake you're speaking yeah. my language. <laughs> like we're we're just we're chasing what's next for us. And like winning is obviously gonna be a byproduct of that, but like every day is just about us becoming a little bit better. Jurgen Klopp called his this Liverpool team his mentality monsters. When he was talking about the Liverpool team from like the year that they won the Premier League, he was like, They are my mentality monsters. What does that mean? I don't know, it's a good description of Golden State though mentality monsters like just having the best mentality yeah. okay got you should we talk about game four and should we want to keep talking about game four I, yeah well we haven't yeah. talked about the most important part of it which was Steph. sure Steph. you go for it maybe this is also part of what makes it sweet for everybody it seems like everybody kind of had the same sort of emotional experience of this finals on the team like they've never been pushed as hard or needed this more and when i was watching that game four it kind of brings me back to what i was talking about where you don't see a performance like that from steph unless it is absolutely necessary Yes. Like, he does not play that way. Like, he doesn't go just pick and roll after pick and roll and just shoot the ball unless it is absolutely necessary. And I think, like, game four must win. He deemed it absolutely necessary. And, like, just kudos to the Boston defense, too, because I don't think anyone's ever been able to pull that much out of him either, right? Like, the way that he was challenged in this series on every level, like, challenged on on defense, having to be the scorer, being the primary playmaker when, you know, like, you know, Draymond's like half there for for a good chunk of the series, right? Like, the Celtics were just trying to wear him down, it felt like. And and they just, they just couldn't. I've never seen him be this good. And he's 34, which is strange. And like, there were so many moments this season where it felt like, are we seeing him become human? Yeah. Like there was a shooting slump early in the season, and that turned it, it turned a shooting slump that turned into like, wait, is he now? Has he gone from like the best shooter of all time to like a, a Damian Lillard type shooter? And what does that mean for Boston? And you know, he doesn't even play until game one in the playoffs, and and he finds this like this new peak. And I guess that's what it is. That's what's what's cool about it. Like thirty four years old, finding a new peak, and like the Warriors aging, finding a new peak. That's a really good way of putting it. I would say that like game four and six, like he did some things that I was like, there's just like nobody in the history of the game that he could that could do this. And like I'm talking about like whether it's getting bowled over by Jason Tatum from thirty feet out and still hitting the shot, or whether it's like finding a literal crack between a wall of like Al Horford and Marcus Smart and shooting a three between their two bodies. Like there's nobody in the history of the game who could have done that. It's cool that he's able to take that unique, like once in a generation level skill and also have honestly, like a Jordan level, like ability to win his ability to like rise to the occasion is, is Mm -hmm. honestly stunning. So I I guess I'm like a lot more like passionate about this Warriors team than I thought I was going to be. Let's go. 
Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) I guess my question to you would be, who do you think is more likely to be back at this place next season? Golden State or Boston? A A lot of Chris Middleton truthers on the timeline last night. Oh, yeah. A lot of people being like, yeah, Chris Middleton had played. They would be crowning Giannis in, in the Bay right now. I mean, I guess. I don't know. <sighs> yeah. I, I, was, I think I was No? Jan- no. I, okay, yes. But so this is off topic, but I was thinking about this with Giannis. If you want to just shut me down, because it's like not about, we're not talking about this at all. But I think if you took Chris Middleton away from LeBron... LeBron would still be in the NBA Finals. What do you mean? Like, if you had taken Chris Middleton... Well, the East is like... I was thinking about this with the Celtics, right? Like, so the East uh-huh. is basically, like, wide open now, in my mind. Um, Like, I was thinking about the East, and it's like, Miami's aging, and they have young players, and they're kind of doing, like, the double timeline thing that, that the Warriors are, but they're just not as talented, and they're older, and I just have less faith in, obviously, now, seeing what happened, Kyle Lowry, but also, like, Jimmy Butler, the, the minutes keep piling on and he's less consistent so Miami to me is just they're not a team that if I'm the Celtics I'm necessarily that worried um Brooklyn is a mess Philly is a mess so you've got the Bucks and the Celtics and you can essentially look at the Bucks as like if you want to look at Giannis as like the next LeBron of this of the Eastern Conference I get that but at the same time like okay I don't think they're. I don't think he's quite that. I think he's close, but I think if he was that, then what you're saying would have actually happened. Oh, okay. If Giannis was LeBron, he shouldn't need Chris Middleton to get to the like finals. Giannis. Like I mean, LeBron got there with like without Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving. There's just levels to the shit. Is, is that was the worst conference saying. though, right? It I feel like that yeah. was that was like it was definitely that was conference. back in the bad old days of the Eastern Conference. I get what you're saying though, I, and I'm not. I'm not trying to give. I'm not, we're not bringing like extreme viewpoints about Chris Middleton to the fore here. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm just saying there was a fair amount of, sure. If mid isn't hurt, this is Milwaukee and Draymond's not getting like, he's not punking these guys like he punked Orford and Williams at the end of it, right? Maybe. I don't know. I just, I just think about the amount of injuries that the Celtics dealt with like throughout the entire postseason as well, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, Jason Tatum basically had like one arm. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> he couldn't even sign his name. You guys, you know what I mean? Like these guys were. No, I know. I'm, I'm yeah. sure he was no, injured. I'm, I'm, yeah, the Celtics I'm, I'm were dealing here, with a lot. It. I'm here for it. Yeah, yeah. Like, look, and these guys are like the, the core is locked in until 2026. So then Brown is only on contract for the next two two years. We'll see how much older Horford looks, but all those guys should get better. And now they have this experience, yeah. and I think that's a key thing, right? Like they have now been to the finals, and they know what it takes. And that doesn't always mean everything, um, but I think they have certain baked-in advantages that like uh, some of the other teams that have been to the finals haven't had. The biggest one being that most of their guys are locked in; like they're not going to have a Thunder situation where they have to now like trade James Harden and like choose between him and Serge Ibaka, or they're not going to have like you know a, a Hawk situation where everyone's going to be fighting for for minutes and and wondering about what their next contract is going to look like they remind me a little bit more of the Suns in a way like the Suns losing the NBA finals which I guess you know isn't the best indicator uh but that team improved a lot in the regular season and I think like that's kind of what I see happening with the Celtics like they've they've found a way to define who they are throughout the the postseason um like there was probably if we want to do one Celtics moment it's probably Tatum closing out game six um, yeah yeah and just like the 
the way that they figured out that he's number one option and Brown's the number two option, it's smart's like the number three table setting option. And they should probably add a little bit more playmaking. But aside from that, they know who they are now and they can develop within their roles. And they seem to be okay with developing within their roles because they know what it can get them. And you're going to have a healthy Robert Williams, hopefully, a year older. And all these other young players, like Grant Williams, going to be a year older. Peyton Pritchard, going to be a year older. Like, all these guys got real minutes. And they kind of, like, next year, I think they know who, like, their, like, eight, like top eight rotation is. I don't doubt that Boston will be in and around the conversation next season. On the flip side of it, I am now in in like where I was in the middle of last decade with the Spurs, which is like, I basically stole this, this like position from Zach Lowe, which is like, I refuse to bet against the Warriors, you know, like yeah. in, in the mid, in the middle of the last decade, I was like, it was just like, if the Spurs are playing, I don't bet against them <laughs> until proven otherwise. And so this is how I feel about the Warriors. Now you, I will mm-hmm. not be doubting the Warriors next season, even if they are five games over 500 or something at Christmas or having like a weird February or, or whatever. I guess it remains to be seen whether or not they're going to make any changes or what's going to happen with, with Poole and Wiggins and what they can afford and all that stuff. But I just think that it's silly to think that the, that they can't get back here again. Never underestimate a, the heart of a champion, Chris. That's all. That's really all this is about. You can't do it. I never underestimate your heart and it's gotten me this far. Um, we'll, we can wrap it up there. Thanks to Chris Sutton for producing us today. Just as a programming note, next Friday, Upside High is going to take the answer day and they're going to do a post-draft show on Friday morning and kind of Kyle and John will give their thoughts on the draft. So look forward to that. I can't wait to hear that. Uh, Sirit and I will be back shortly after that with some NBA offseason thoughts and we'll we'll get you guys ready for free agency and everything else. Thanks to Chris Sutton. Thanks to everybody for listening to us throughout the season. Uh, we'll be back soon. Take care. Have a great weekend.